Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you take your Bibles, open them to two places, Hebrews chapter 11 We're going to be looking at verse 31 today, Hebrews chapter 11 and Joshua chapter 2 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith Rahab Was Saved. Notice with me in verse 31, Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. You know, studying through the hall of faith, which is what chapter 11 of Hebrews is, is an exciting time. We, little would we have known when we started out even studying the book of Hebrews and launching into chapter 11 when we did, that God would need to build our faith, that, that we would need that in our lives. I mean, I think at at various times in our lives, we'd think, yeah, I want my faith built. I want to be encouraged. But we actually need it. It's a desperate thing for us to be walking by faith. Because you can see with Rahab's life, there's a great contrast with by faith and those that didn't believe. It was her, her faith that saved her life and her family's life, but also saved her soul. So we've been studying through Hebrews 11 looking at the true story after true story after true story of God's faithfulness that's met with man's faith. You know, God is always faithful, but the way that we get to enjoy it and the way that we get to live with that confidence is by meeting God's faithfulness with our belief, where we take God at his word and we act out on faith. Now, of course, it's only a small sampling of the men and women over the years who committed their lives to a faithful God, but it's the sampling that God has for us. And remember, it's not the hall of failure. So people aren't remembered for their failure, for their stumbling, for their weaknesses. No, they're they're remembered and we're reminded of their faith. So we've been in Hebrews for some time, but I wanted to know, when is it exactly when we started Hebrews 11? So I looked it up in my notes. This is our 21st study now in chapter 11. So we've been in just chapter 11 for 21 studies, but we actually started it almost a year ago in November of 2019. That's when our verse 1, chapter 11, when we launched into this study in faith. Remember how we launched into the year 2020? We had a series of Bible studies we entitled Into faith we go. And how would we have been able to know the things that awaited us in this year? The challenges, the tests, the temptations, the the situation in terms of oppression and suppression, the, the issues of governments and decisions that are outside of our control, let alone the things that you've personally faced, the things that you go through, the, the things that have come on our, it's, it's like layer after layer after layer after layer in this season where it seems like so much is outside of our control. But how do we meet these difficult times? How do we respond? 
over and over again, we've learned that we respond by faith. By the time we get to verse 31, it is the 21st, depending on how you're counting, the 21st or 22nd time that we've been reminded by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. There is no other adequate response. We respond to those things that are challenging, those things that are difficult, by faith. According to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, we learn that faith has substance to it. It's not blind faith. It's not leaping into the darkness. No, there's a substance in our faith. Substance means foundation, assurance. It has a guarantee attached to it. Notice, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And secondly, our faith has evidence. The evidence of things not seen. That word evidence, remember, speaks of having a conviction. And we worship a real God with a real conviction in our hearts that there's another unseen world. And by faith, we're trusting God at his word. We're trusting God of what we've learned, just like many women and men have gone before us. Notice verse 6. You can't please God without faith. In verse 6 of chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You without faith, me without faith, cannot please God. We've got to trust him, notice, because who, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is essential in our relationship with God. It's the beginning of our relationship with him. It's the middle of our relationship with him. And it will be the end when faith truly becomes reality in his presence. Faith is what pleases God. It's how he desires us to live. And so we have these displays of faith so we can see it in real time. Men and women, just like you and me. Well, in many ways like you and me, but in some ways not at all like you and me. These guys, these gals, without radio, without television, without the internet, without worldwide travel, without airplanes, without trains, without any of the things that you and I have today, without the new covenant, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the empowering of the Holy Spirit, without a Bible in their hand, were able to make massive decisions that led to great endings by faith by faith God took note of them not because of their failure not because of their imperfections or their stumblings or their humanity chapter 11 is in the Bible today so that we would learn how to live by faith and we come today to another woman whose exemplary faith is on display. Her name, it says in verse 31, is Rahab. If you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word Rahab. Her, her name has two meanings. The first meaning is violent or fierce. And I think that's how she approached life, in a violent, fierce way. We know her as, the Bible says, a harlot, a prostitute. She was a sex worker. The Bible doesn't indicate that it was against her will. It seems that she chose to make a living this way. 
And that's how she's known throughout the Bible. In verse 31, she's known as the harlot Rahab, but we often remember her as Rahab the harlot. Like that's her name. Rahab, first name, the middle name, harlot, her last name. Violent. Her life was filled with violence, the violence of sin. The second uh, way that her name, the second meaning of her name is wide or deep. Like, Like the idea of now, I think she goes from violent and fierce to a deep, wide faith in what she heard. Again, she's a Canaanite. She is a pagan. She's an idol worshiper. She she is as far as a person could possibly be from God. And she's just living her life. She's not upset about it. Uh, There's no indication that she's unhappy with her life. I mean, I, I think she is in the sense that I've dealt with a lot of people. I've lived my own life of sin where outwardly you have this appearance that everything's okay, but inwardly you're filled with dead men's bones. You're just completely overwhelmed with the consequences of your bad decisions. Listen to you moms and dads that are praying for prodigal kids and you're watching them on Facebook and you're seeing them on Instagram and you're like, oh, look at the appearance. It looks like they're having fun. It looks like, and maybe outwardly they're experiencing like Moses, had, like Moses resisted sin that brings pleasure for a season. But I can guarantee you God is working on them to bring them to the end of themselves. And what the pictures might show and the smiles might give you the perception, they're not as happy as it seems. A, a rebel heart is an unhappy heart. And here Rahab, living in sin, resistant to God. Like this is what she was born into. This is what she lived with. She's living in sin as the sinner that she is, even making a living from it. And I want you, I want you to understand today that Rahab takes away all excuses that we may come up with that someone's outside the reach of God. Because there seems to be those people we think could never be saved, that they've gone too far. And maybe it's a distant person. Maybe it's a a person that you don't know personally. Perhaps it is a person you know personally that you're just like, no, I don't think there's any hope for them. They're too far gone. And you may come to that conclusion with Rahab. You know, we live around Rahabs. They're all over. They're in our neighborhoods. They're up and down. Like, like I was thinking of Rahab today as I was processing this whole study, kind of studying through, and, and it began last night thinking about, look, we have a whole street that goes through many cities that are dedicated to Rahabs. You can drive up and down Colfax, and you can see on either side of the street those that are sinning, living in sin because they're sinners, Because that's the life that they've chose or perhaps it's the life that was imposed upon them through a series of bad decisions. And this is where they are, the down and out. And it seems as if, it seems as if the attitude like the religious of Jesus' day that there is this sense among believers just to avoid all that. I don't want to see it. I don't want anything to do with it. And, you know, let, let the people call to the Rahabs. Let them deal with the Rahabs. Listen, church, you are called to the Rahabs. And they're not just on Colfax. Now, I know this Bible study will go out uh, to other cities around the country, even around the world. Can I just say this? Every city in every state across the United States has their own Colfax. And it doesn't have to be just downtown. 
It's not just downtown. It's in the suburbs. Sin is everywhere. And no one's outside the reach of God. But you can see how easy it is to just turn your eye and turn a blind eye to people that are hurting with some judgmental attitude. Well, she's a prostitute. What do you expect? Well, I'll tell you what I expect. In a moment of time, God sends two people that just show up in Rahab's life and forever change. Everything has changed in her life. Because two people representing God, representing the nation of Israel, show up right into her house. And God has dispatched the believers, salt and light on the earth, to show up in people's life. But, but we tend to not embrace the changes that God brings in our life. You, you know, you, you go through a, a challenging, fearful time. You go, well, I just lost my job. And, and instead of being excited where God's going to take you next, we become fearful. We become upset. Because you know, I, I used to work with a brother who used to say, uh, as we were talking about going through layoffs, because they always talked about layoffs at work, and I would share an office, I shared an office with Larry, and Larry would always tell me this, I found this job, I was looking for a job when I found this job. And what he was saying is like, hey, I've gone from job to job, and God has never let me down. And I'm telling you, there are Rahabs that God wants to connect you with and wants to connect me with, but if we turn a blind eye to them, and we become judgmental, or better yet, we get involved in things that aren't eternal. The church has one purpose and one purpose only, to glorify God. And in glorifying God, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the hurting and the down and out. Who do you think Jesus Christ came to save? Sinners like you and like me. And I'm grateful he came to save six sinners like me and like you. Rahab is an example that God goes after the uttermost. She's as lost as lost can be. And look, there is very little chance that God will call you and me to build an ark in our front lawn. There's very little chance that God is going to call us to lead two and a half million people out of slavery in Egypt. There's very little chance like Enoch that we're going to live for hundreds and hundreds of years. But there's a great chance, like a 100% chance, that God wants to use you to reach a Rahab and not to write people off, not to become so high-minded and judgmental, not to live in Christianity, but to abide in Christ. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference of becoming religious and abiding in Christ. And you know, we write people off far too quickly, even if it's just in our own hearts. Let Rahab encourage you. Come over to Joshua chapter 2 now because we'll get the full story. Now, it's interesting to me that the author to the Hebrews, I think, uh, is Paul. He gives us the, the falling down of the walls of Jericho first, even though that doesn't come chronologically in Joshua. What comes chronologically in the book of Joshua is they meet Rahab first. And notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Joshua, it says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went out and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And I'm telling you, every time Rahab is mentioned, the sin of her life is mentioned. God wants us to understand something that it doesn't matter what somebody's caught up in, God loves to meet the sinner where they're at. 
And here again, this is her life. This is what she's associated with. And notice, they send two spies in. Now, those of you Bible students remember that when Moses came to the edge of the promised land, they didn't send two spies in. How many did they send in? Twelve. A leader from every tribe. They sent 12 spies into the land. And remember, when the spies came back, 10 of them came back with a bad report, a discouraging report, which demoralized the nation, which led to their rebellion and resistance, which led to 40 years of wilderness wandering. This is the next generation coming in under Joshua. And remember, this is, you had 12 spies, 10 came back with a bad report, two came back with a good report. One was named Caleb, the other one was named, named, does anybody know his name? I'm going to tell you for the first time then, Joshua. Caleb and Joshua came back with a good report, and as they come back with a good report, now Joshua gets to live it out. Caleb does too. The rest of the generation has died in the wilderness. Reminds me of a couple things. Number one, you can see 12 people that experience the same exact thing but respond differently. 12 people that experience the exact same thing, the exact same promise of God. God told them them that he was going to give them the land. God promised to them that he was going to give them the land. But they were sent in to spy it out so they could bring a report. Ten people see the giants and say, oh, woe is us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Ten of them see the big walled cities and they go, oh, it'll never happen. We'll never defeat. I know what God promised, but it can't happen. Trust me, we saw it with our own eyes. But two, they come back and go, hey, man, let's take it. God said we have, let's take it. It's hard. There are giants in the land. You're right. There are walled cities, true. But God has promised for us to take the land. We're taking it. And yet the ten drowned out the two. It reminds me of something else. As you have 12 people, or like any trial, you know, when a trial hits a family in a home, there's different responses in that home. Everyone's experiencing the same trial, but there are different responses. Here we have 12 people experiencing the same scenario, but we have different responses. But I also think of the church at large today experiencing very much the same trial, but there are many responses to it. We want to be careful how we respond because our responses influence other people. So little did the 10 elders of the people know that they would completely demoralize the entire, the entire nation because bad news travels fast. And people that were otherwise not discouraged and people that were otherwise not bummed out and people that were otherwise not filled with fear had their fear, had their emotions, had their whole attitude changed because these guys decided not to respond in faith. And it cost them dearly. Church, be careful how you respond to the trials in your life. Be careful how you publicly respond. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you write. Be careful what you post because it will influence other people. And if you choose to respond in a way, like listen, when you respond in the flesh, other people are going to join you in the flesh. And when you respond in the spirit, other people will join you in the spirit. 
And the question is, how is it that we want to be used? Do we want to be used like the 10 that come back and go, oh, there are giants in the land, but God said there'd be giants in the land. And the 10 go, oh, no, I don't know what we're going to do. The cities are big. God said the cities would be big. And we want to be those men and women that inspire faith. And here Joshua, he's wise. He doesn't send 12 spies. He only sends two. Two good report, he sends two in. Notice what happens in verse two now. It was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men you've come to you who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. And she said, yes, the men came to me but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out Where the men went, I don't know. Pursue them quickly, that you might overtake them. Verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. These men are stealth and they're wise. It reminds me of what Jesus taught us when he said that I'm sending you out into the world. I want you what? To be wise as serpents. How? Gentle as doves. That is to be our response in a hostile culture. That's our study. That's what we're learning on Wednesday nights in 1 Peter. What the women will be going through in the women's Bible study. Learning how to live in a hostile culture. Learning how to navigate through a house, how to respond in tough times. What is God's heart for us as believers in hostile times? Here are two men going into a city that wants to destroy them, wants to kill them. They're going in with espionage. They want to spy out the land so that they can come and be prepared. They don't know yet. They have no idea of the military campaign that God is going to give. They, they don't know yet that here's the order. The order of God is march around the city and then yell. That's how I'm going to give it to you. They don't know. They're going in to size everything up so they can militarily take this city down. And they do something very wise. They head into town and immediately connect up with the prostitutes. Oh, not for immoral reasons, but for practical reasons. Because in their mind, I'm sure they're thinking, hey, there's a lot of men coming, strange men coming in and out of this woman's house all the time. They won't, mention, they won't notice another two. Well, they were noticed, and they got snitched on. And as they come to Rahab, bring those men, Rahab has already activated her faith in God. And she says, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to protect them. And Rahab becomes for us a powerful picture of God's mercy and grace. Yes, she is a harlot. Yes, she's a woman with a bad reputation. She's throwing her life away one day at a time, one man at a time. And yet in the midst of this lost life, God shows up in a big way through these men that immediately show up out of the blue. Like like she was just living her life and then things changed in an instant. And it's a whole different Bible study altogether, but you need to know that things can change for your life in an instant. Not just for the bad, but also for the good. This is a good change. Like in, you've been living life, living life, living life, and then boom, God has a plan for you. 
God has a plan for Rahab too. She didn't know it, but it's being unfolded now with these two visitors. You know, Rahab is, she's on this long list. You know, the world views certain occupations and certain lifestyles in a very negative way in this culture. And Rahab would be on a long list of the world's failures, of the world's losers, of the world's throwaways that God has redeemed and changed and used. So many of us were on the same list where you just look at that life and you, you say, I, I, don't, I don't see any redeemable quality. I don't see, look, look at what they've chosen to do and look at how they've chosen to respond and look at the path that they're on. And, but God has different plans. And how do we access the plans of God even though with what we see is discouraging and demoralizing, we access, access the plans of God by faith. By faith. Of all the difficult circumstances we're in, all the impossibilities, everything that's stacked up against us, we access it by faith. You see, whom the world esteems very lightly, God has a tendency and a pattern to elevate them to great things. God just operates differently than this world. So different. Prostitutes aren't necessarily high on the list for those that are likely to succeed or go far in this world. But from God's perspective, they are greatly loved. From God's perspective, those that are bound by sin, God loves. They don't need to be labeled. They need to be loved, church. It's very easy to label someone and go, you know, and, and think about it. You think about Colfax. You think about, and you, you might even be here to go, well, I don't even go down Colfax because of those things. Exactly. And you won't show up as impacting Rahab's life when you avoid Rahab. You just won't be a part of her story. You won't be a part of the story of God when you avoid the difficulties that surround us. When we develop a hard heart toward the hurting, when we have these preconceived, prejudicial prejudgments on people so that we can label them something other than our neighbor, and when we view someone other than our neighbor, then we don't somehow in our minds believe we don't have to follow through in loving our neighbor. But Jesus made it clear. Who is our neighbor? Everyone. It doesn't matter. And Rahab here gets a taste of God's perspective. And before we move on into the rest of the chapter, Rahab was a woman. And it's important to understand that. Because in the culture then, women were not highly regarded. And even in many places today, unfortunately, there is a sense of not highly valuing women or somehow putting them in a lower place, even in the church. But I want to make sure that you understand, biblically and personally, how valuable women are to God, to his ministry, to this world, to your family, that Jesus always elevates, always prizes, and always values women. You can pull out an atlas, or you can take a globe, and you can search wherever the Bible has had its greatest impact, you will notice the role of women in that society has been, play, has been elevated to the proper place. Because the Bible teaches the value of women. Women, you are important to the plan of God. 
Bible elevates women, frees them, and removes them from any place of subjugation. Am I saying that in our nation or even in the church today that we are where we should be? Not at all, because we've all been messed up by sin. But we can change, and we can continue to place the value on you ladies that God, we can agree with God of how important you are to the plan of God on the earth today. And not participate in any of these things. Listen, unless you're, if you're not convinced by now, a short survey of the Bible will show how important women are to the Lord and to his ministry. If you're taking notes, consider a few roles that God has entrusted to women throughout the scriptures. First of all, Miriam, she was a worship leader, Exodus chapter 15. Deborah was a national leader. She was a judge, Judges chapter 4. Huldah, she was a prophetess, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Anna, she was a prophetess, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Priscilla, an accomplished Bible teacher, Acts chapter 18. Phoebe, a deaconess in the early church, Romans chapter 16. Let alone all of the women, some named and some unnamed, that were a significant support to the very ministry of Jesus Christ. Women are valuable and important because that's how God created you. You are created in the image of God and you are equal to men in your nature and how God made you to be used. And so don't let anybody dismiss you. Oh, you're just a woman. That's not biblical. Uh, it's not even loving. Like we, we need to value each other as the Bible teaches us. Now, come back. Verse 8 in Joshua. See how God continues to deal with this woman. So before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard... You might want to circle that phrase. For we have heard. What do you mean you have heard, Rahab? What do you mean you heard? Well, somebody's been talking about God in Jericho. Let's say that. Somebody's been talking about God throughout Jericho. And look what they heard. They heard how the Lord had dried up the water in the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. What you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, and neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth beneath. The reputation of God was in the pagan city of Jericho. It was throughout the land. Because the reputation of God precedes him. While people might deny God, they might pretend he's not there, they might make up fanciful theories to replace them, they're all responding to the reality of God and his presence. And you can't replace him. And you can't ignore him. And they heard, they heard of what God had done, and they believed it. They heard how God parted the Red Sea and believed it. They heard how the Amorites were destroyed, and they believed it. They had, listen, look at the, look at Rahab, what a huge concept of God she had in this pagan, idolatrous city. Why? Because somebody shared these miraculous things, and she believed it. The whole city believed it. 
I mean, to come to think of this, we don't know how old Rahab is here, but I'm, I'm going to say, let's just say for the sake of argument, that Rahab is not quite 40 years old yet. What that means is, is that she wasn't alive when all these things happened. It wasn't like she heard the immediate, let's just say after the, after the Red Sea parted, that word got to Jericho and they heard. And then the kings were defeated, word got to Jericho. So now this testimony of God's faithfulness, God faithfulness, they're just waiting in Jericho. When's it going to happen? When are the people of God coming? When is the children of Israel? When are we going to meet that one true God? And they're wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering and wandering. But it also reminds me and teaches me teaches us that no seed of the gospel goes wasted when you share it. You may not see it. It may not even be the person that you share it with that's affected. It might be their kids. It might be their kids as adults that here 40 years after the Red Sea, Rahab's telling the story. Who told Rahab? Well, word was out in Jericho that God was powerful. And hearing the work of God, he did a work in her heart, creating a faith and a knowledge and an understanding that was a true spiritual revolution inside of her. So notice, in verse 12, she says, Therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness, that you also show kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She's not a selfish woman. You can see so many great qualities in her. She loves her family. Yeah, but she's a prostitute. Yeah, she loves her family. You know, Rahab's somebody's daughter, somebody's sister. She's an important human being. And she also has feelings and she cares. We've got to look past the sin in someone's life. We've got to look past even the outward ugliness and consequences of sin. And remember that Jesus died for that person. That they're important. Notice the men answered her, verse 14, our lives are yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be that when the Lord has given us the land, we'll deal kindly with you and truly. And she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall and she dwelt on the wall. Remember the walls are huge. 50 feet wide, you know, they're huge. So many people lived on the wall, in the wall. That was part of their dwelling. So there, that's where she lived, a very prominent place. And she said to them, get to the mountain, verse 16, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. Then the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we'll be free from your oath, which you made us swear. And then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Scarlet cord is very important. This reminds us of the Passover. It reminds us of the ark, this house with the scarlet cord. 
Because the way to be saved when the ark was being built is that you had to be in the ark. When the waters of tribulation and the waters of judgment came, the only place to be safe was to be in the ark. Then we come to Egypt, and the only place to be safe would be in the house. But not just in the house, you had to have applied the blood on the doorposts above and on the side in the form of a cross. You had to have now the blood applied. You go from the ark being in the ark, now you have the blood applied so that everyone in the house where the blood was applied will be saved. Now we come to Rahab's house. Rahab's house. The woman, Canaanite, pagan, prostitute, sex worker. Yeah, her house. The house that was filled with immorality. The house was filled with difficulty and resistance and rebellion. That house. Well, here, God says, I'm going to sanctify that house. Just put the cord out. What color was the cord? Scarlet. Red. Representing what? The blood of Jesus Christ. You want to be saved? You've got to be in the house. You fast forward many years, Jesus says, you want to be saved? You need to be in me. My blood applied for your life. The removal of your sin, the forgiveness of sin. She put that cord out right away. She doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't know when they'll be back. So she does, they, they tell her to do something, she does it. It says there in Joshua 2, it says, as they left, she bound the scarlet cord in the window. That's it. She doesn't know when they're coming back. She doesn't know about the military plan of Israel. She doesn't know about the marching around. She doesn't know about the walls falling down flat. She just knows, put the cord in. God wants you to respond, church, to what you know. She doesn't, he, God doesn't want you all worried about what you don't know, all the hard Bible questions you have, and you might think, well, I don't know a lot about the Bible, so I don't know how good of a... Look, God just wants you to respond to what you know. That you sit under a Bible study, do what God tells you to do. Take it to heart. Learn little by little, adding to your faith. He wants us to respond to what he tells us little by little. So she puts this cord in the window and it represents so much, something far greater. And Rahab gets to be a part of it. Rahab gets to be a part of the plan of God. Notice in verse 22, the spies do depart. They go to the mountain. They stare there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but didn't find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain, crossed over, came to Joshua, the son of Nun, told him all that had befallen them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands, for indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Faith begets faith, church. You want to surround yourself with people that believe God. Because when you go and you start to waver and you have those times of faithlessness, it's somebody that can speak the truth into your life. I remember when we were church planting and when we were stepping out and looking at, we had flown into another city to spy out the land. And I had my buddy Mike with me. 
And I'm telling you, every single place we went, we were like, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great, this is great. And, and Michael's going, yeah, it's great. And I'm going, yeah, it's great. And we came back with such a glowing, wonderful report that I came with a little bit of faith, but I went back home to, to get everything ready to move with a lot of faith. And I'm so glad that I took Mike with me because Mike spoke words of faith into my life. I'd say, what do you think about this? And he didn't go, oh, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever work. Oh, man, that's not going to help, Mike. Let's go to another place. What do you think about this, Mike? No, I don't think. I, I don't know. They want so much. No, it was the exact opposite. We ended up not moving to that city. It wasn't God's will to go to that city. What God's will was to come to this city. But I'll tell you what, God, what was God's will. It was to have our faith built by believing God. That's what he wants to do in your life. He wants your faith built we don't know where you're going. You don't know the end. We don't know the twists and turns of life, but we do know this. We can meet them by faith, and we want to have people in our lives that help us and encourage us and build our faith. Because I have learned over the years very difficultly, in a very difficult way, that I personally don't respond to people that are discouraged. I don't dis respond well to discouraging people. I don't respond well. It doesn't help my soul when I've got some great idea and everyone's sitting around there, oh, I ain't gonna work, no, I ain't gonna work. Or I, I don't respond well when it's always bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And I suspect you don't either. <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one. I love to have surround by people of faith because it builds my faith. And here they are coming back. All they, were, all they did was talk to a prostitute. And yet God used Rahab to build their faith. <laughs> it's like, you guys don't understand. You guys were afraid when you first came 40 years ago, but you freaked us all out. And we're, we've been afraid ever since waiting for this day. We've been waiting for this day. And I just want you to know, I know it's how it's all going to go down, Rahab says. Save me and my family. We do not believe like the rest of this city. We believe in the one true God. And I'm willing to put my life on the line by putting the cord out and protecting you. Save my family. And they come back with a good report, and Rahab makes it into the hall of faith. Rahab makes it in. To me, it's such a beautiful thing. The walls come down, except for that one section with the house on top and the red cord hanging out the window. That one stayed. Why? Well, God had a bigger plan with Rahab. The person you might be avoiding right now the person that you might have written off, God has a bigger plan for them than even you realize. God has a bigger plan of how he's going to use them, how, what, his, what, what he's going to do through them. I mean, you think about Rahab, if we all kind of did a field trip and you kind of look at Rahab and go, well, what do you think? What do you think God's plan is with Rahab? And we go, well, maybe God will save her. Maybe God will save her family. And we've got all great things. God had something bigger than that. Why did God save Rahab that day? Well, we learn in the Bible that Rahab ends up marrying a man by the name of Salmon. And Salmon, in that marriage, brings Rahab into the covenant people of God. She becomes a part of the nation of Israel. And in their marriage, they have a son. They name him Boaz. Boaz gets married, has a son named Obed. Obed, he gets married, has a son named Jesse who ends up having a famous son by the name of David. 
Fast forward many, many generations, David, through the lineage of David, ends up having a son. His name? Jesus Christ, the son of David. How did it all start? Well, Rahab. Rahab made it in to the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This Rahab, this woman, hall of faith, genealogy of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God's plans for people are far greater than our minds can imagine. God's plan for your life is exceedingly abundantly. God's plan for your life is exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think, church. Beyond your imagination, beyond your explanation. And here we are, so often settling for things that won't even last eternally. Bypassing the Rahabs and the hurting. Just walking by people, uh, just, just ignoring their plight. Maybe overwhelmed by it all. It's like, I can't change the world. Nobody's asking you to change the world. God's just asking you to respond by faith. He'll do the changing of the world. You respond by faith. You abide in Christ. And you know, it is God's will to change the world. It is God's will to turn, God's will to turn this world upside down. And he does it through the church. The church, you and me. Yeah, you're the church, the, the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's you, that's me. The church that will be raptured up into the presence of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's you, that's me. The church that's ever growing. Grace has been engraved into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of God, the son of David, coming to earth, putting on a body like you and me. Jesus, the eternal God. We are all without excuse, believer and unbeliever alike. God has made a way for anyone to be saved. Let us never say again, church, God can't use me. Let us never let that come out of our lips. God can't use me because I'm an outcast. God can't use me because I've been abandoned. God can't use me because in my past I was a liar or a thief. God can't use me because I was a prostitute. Don't ever say that God can't use me because I'm divorced or I lived in a homosexual lifestyle or God can't use me and you fill in the blank. Maybe it's not Rahab that you've written off. Maybe it's you that you've written off where you just think you've crossed the line and you're so bad that you're irredeemable. Let Rahab let her be burned into your mind that no one's beyond the reach of God. Not only that, God has a plan for you far beyond what you can even think or ask right now. That there is a sequence of events that you're very important part of. And the response that God's looking for, this response that God's looking for is for us to look to him by faith. So it makes sense that along the way we'd be distracted it makes sense along the way we'd be all caught up in our own lives and our own comforts and our own ease. And, and we would call out for our own injustices and unfairnesses all the while Rahab is waiting for the visit. She's just sitting there living life in sin. She's thinking about, man, I heard about that God, but I've never met him personally. 
I've heard about his power, but I don't know anything else about him except that he's powerful and destructive and he takes care of his people. How do you become one of them? And God brings us together so that he might scatter us out. Let Rahab be an encouragement to you today. Also, let this guy named Paul be an encouragement. Would you turn over? And this is where we'll close in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So if the worship team can come on up right now. 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is where we'll close. It's on the way to Hebrews. This guy, Paul, he's writing to a young man by the name of Timothy. But you got to understand, Paul was not always Paul, the guy that wrote the Bible. He wasn't always that saint that might be in a stained glass window. He, he was known before Paul as Saul, and he came from the city of Tarsus. And he lived a life of great re- religion, but also great rebellion. And notice in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, He's just overwhelmed as he's writing to these young men. I'm sure he's overwhelmed, but it's like, man, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. And he says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violently arrogant man, I obtained a mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first... Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Don't write yourself off, church. And don't write others off. Let God use you. His faithfulness be matched by your faith. So Father, we do pray as you Uh, minister to us that Rahab is so encouraging to us. I can't wait to meet her, to hear more of her story firsthand. I don't know how it's all going to go down, God, in heaven, but there's so many things to learn about these brothers and sisters of ours who we'll be reunited with around the throne, singing out holy, holy, holy with the angels. Lord God Almighty, and like Think of the men of old like Nehemiah and Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. I pray, God, for you that you would forgive us for neglecting the Rahabs, avoiding Colfax, wanting to stay on the better parts of town instead of engaging the lost as what you've called us to do. And we know that we can't do everything, but God, we want to do something. Forgive us for our prejudgments that impose uh, you know, they, it's just stuff that infringes on our comfort and ease. That's all. It's just things that we cry, unfair, unfair, and we forget about the cross, the greatest tragedy ever to be uh, perpetrated on man is become the greatest victory. And we just forget, God, forgive us for our sin against you and against our city. Forgive us for the posts the pictures and the writing and the complaining and Lord forgive us 
that, that is just, this stuff has just rendered us useless for the kingdom. Oh, maybe for an hour, maybe for a day, maybe for weeks or months or even years. But we don't want to be that way anymore, God. We want to embrace. We want to move forward. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. We want to learn how to be loving and kind and gentle with one another. We want to learn how to improve and increase each other's faith. We want to speak words of faith to one another. We, we want to speak words of hope to one another. We want to pray for one another. We want to serve one another, God. So help us to rise above not only this current situation, all this current stuff that we're in, but whatever is up ahead. Whatever has been going on in the lives of people day after day and year after year, the challenges, the, the, the hindrances, the difficulties, the pain, the hurt, the grief, all of it. We just lay it before you today, God. And let Rahab encourage us that in a moment's time you can show up and everything changes. We're grateful for your faithfulness and we want to tap into it by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen, church. Let's stand together. Let's stand together and remember, we aren't leaving, so please don't leave. Uh, we got a certain exit way, but, but God's training you to always stay for the last song. You're learning something new because God has, always has a song to stay in our heart all week. And Pastor Ian's going to introduce a new song to us today, reminding us of God being our champion. Listen, how many of you by raising of hand have ever been in a long extended trial? How many? Yeah, a lot of us. Like it's not just a little one, big, small beginning, middle and end, but it's a beginning and then it seems like it lasts forever. Well, as a church, we're in that right now. You know, with some of the government changes and some of the mandates and the unfairness, we're all in that right now. But we're not just our church, the church. And like any family, when trial comes, there's different responses. Listen, let's choose individually and as a church that response that yields the most fruit for the kingdom, that has the most eternal perspective. That, that gives ourselves that we deny ourselves for the sake of others. That is patient with one another when there's a different viewpoint or a different response. Let's not lose love because of the trial. Let's not lose our testimony because of the trial. Let's find ourselves looking to our champion. It's hard. It's hurtful. It's painful. It's divisive. We all know that. It's all true. But the question is, is where will we land? Where will we land? Will we miss the Rahab because we're distracted? Will we miss? What will we miss? I don't want to miss anything anymore. I've missed too much in my life. I don't want to miss anything else. I want to run my race and I want to run it stronger in the finish line. I want to go all the way. I want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can. I want to encourage as many believers. I want you to hear the truth that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. So embrace it. If you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today, the pastors will be up here today. After the service, just come up. We'll pray with you. If you're uncomfortable coming up and you still need that distance or whatever, just stay seated. We'll come to you. It's all right. We want to come up. Great. Everybody's coming up now, but a few people are sitting. Fine. Here or there, we'll serve you. If you guys are online or on the radio, text us. 720-336-0897. That is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week line that's open for texting. Text us your prayer requests. Text us you want more information on how to follow Jesus. Text us with 
hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. 720-336-0897. And you can go through our website too, calvaryco.church. Doesn't matter. You reach out to us, we'll respond. We'll serve you. And let's let this song be in our hearts. Let the Lord do a work in us that will be long-lasting and eternal. Get our minds in the heavenlies. Amen? Let's sing this on them. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.